1: The best place to be a cricket fan.
2: Hello and welcome to the following on podcast. I am Sam Elard. Unfortunately, as I look out of my hotel window, the weather is not looking good once again. We are just... Well, I am just a couple of minutes away from Mount Monganui where the first Test match between New Zealand and England will take place in just a couple of days' time. But the weather is not good at all. It's wet, it's windy, I have everything crossed. The weather sorts itself out over the next couple of days. Unfortunately, I think it could get worse before it gets better. But oh my, what show we've got for you today on the following on podcast? You won't hear... From one England player, you'll hear from two England players. You'll actually hear from an England fan on his way to New Zealand, but was having problems getting over here. And of course, it wouldn't be a following on podcast without hearing from our Double Ashes winner, Stevie Harmison. So here we go. It's Monday in New Zealand. Let's get straight to it. We're three days out. From the first Test match between New Zealand and England, and earlier on, I had the pleasure of speaking with the GOATs, England's all-time leading Test wicket-taker, Jimmy Anderson. Jimmy, um, thank you for speaking with TalkSport. It's a uh, slightly different build-up to the Test match, given the weather right now and the amount of rain coming over the, the next couple of days. Just what's it like for,
3: for you and the boys preparing in these sort of uh, slightly different circumstances? Yeah, well, it's not that different. It's uh, pretty similar to England, to be honest. We have, we have to put up this quite a lot. We just have to make the most of it, really, M- most of what we've got. We're looking at the nets here have got um, a cover over them so we can practice a little bit. Um, obviously, in terms of seeing the wicket and getting out in the middle, it's going to be quite tricky.
2: Um, I spoke to a couple of England fans this morning on the way here. One was stack, stuck in America, mm-hmm. another one stuck in Australia. I think there's going to be a lot of England fans you know, struggling to get over here, but the ones I spoke to sort of said to me, they're coming no matter what, we're going to get there. I mean, just for you as a player, what sort of does that support show and how much does that, does that mean to you and the rest of the lads?
3: Yeah, obviously, it, we're, we're very fortunate as a team that we get supported very well around the world. And we're aware that it, how difficult it is travelling at the minute, especially with the situation in, in Auckland. Um, they've already had issues with the airport there, flooding, and obviously, the, the amount of rain we're going to get over the next few days is. You know, it's not going to help that, so um yeah we're we're very appreciative to all the supporters that we we have followers around the world um and obviously New Zealand's probably as far as you can go <laughs> so um yeah we're we're even more appreciative now, I think.
2: We always obviously want a five-day test match, that's what we want, but um, potentially we could lose a day, maybe more here in this test match, um, but it's going to be quite fun, isn't it? Well, I'm certainly looking forward to seeing sort of how this England team go about winning this test match, because one thing we know from this captain, whether there's 200 overs, 300 overs, it's going to be about how on earth can we try and win this match, and there aren't many teams that will try and think that way, right?
3: Yeah, well, that, you know, Ben and uh, Brendan have been very, very clear since they took over that they want results, they want to win games, mm. to the point where they potentially risk losing a game to try and win so we're not 100% sure what the weather's going to do so we we'll have to wait and see but um, I'm sure we'll be trying to take the positive option whenever we get the chance. It's coming up to nearly a year since you know Brendan
2: took over it's been an incredible run nine test wins in ten the way the team's been playing for you as someone that's been around for a long time what's it been like to be a part of and not that you needed extra motivation but sort of seeing this new brand of cricket has it given you even that extra little bit of motivation
3: to stay fit stay on top of your game so you can be part of what's been a pretty special nine months i don't think it's given me extra motivation i've just absolutely loved being a part of it you know it's um certainly different to what i've experienced in the past you know every every coach every captain wants to put their own stamp on things uh and these two guys have done exactly that and it's been yeah it's been a, a real journey so far we've we've Not just myself, but I know for a fact that every single player here has has enjoyed it, and and the staff as well. You know, it's been a different environment for them as well, and everyone's bought into it. And we're we're trying to push ourselves forward, trying to yeah push the sort of levels of cricket that we can play, both with bat and ball. And I think it's really exciting to be involved in, and I'm sure it's certainly uh, exciting for people to watch.
2: You still think there's more to come though with the bat in terms of you know scoring quicker. And that sort of stuff. Sort of feels like what we've seen over the last year has been, has been incredible. Is there still more to come?
3: Yeah, I think so. I think that you know, the way I see the guys practice in the Nets, the talent is just phenomenal, really. It's, it's difficult to, to explain how amazing the talent we've got is. And I think that that talent, coupled with the hunger that the guys have got to try and improve, uh, and the, the work ethic they bring every day to, to practice, I think you know those two things married together. I think that we can only get better from here. Some of the younger guys, in particular, you know, like Zach Crawley, Ollie Pope, Harry Brook. You know, there's no ceiling for them. They can be as good as they want to be. You know, if they keep putting the work in, keep training hard, they, they, they want to learn all the time. They're talking to the senior players, the likes of Joe Root, the likes of Ben Stokes, trying to um, improve their game all the time. And uh, if they keep doing that, then I'm sure that you know they can be as good as they want to be
2: um you've been in many times to face new zealand in these conditions what are the challenges that this new zealand team are going to pose to
3: england over the next couple of weeks well it's always a hard place to come um, they're renowned for playing well in their own conditions difficult team to beat the wickets here normally very good um so i expect you know really tough series tough two games um the first one that we practiced with the pink ball the other day it's not it's not done a huge amount so I imagine if the wicket's pretty good here then uh, we could see some high scores and uh, some exciting cricket. Are
2: you a fan of day night cricket? I know Wally Robinson spoke recently and was potentially saying it's not you know not something that he likes he thinks sort of the tradition of test cricket is you know starting at 11 is sort of absolutely fine how do you how do you find playing day night cricket?
3: Well yeah I'm, I mean I'm been slightly older I'm a bit of a traditionalist I, I like um the red ball game I think you know the that's, that's how test cricket should be played for me. I've grown up watching that. I've grown up playing that. Um, I love, still love playing it. I think it's uh, an amazing format. And, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not really down to us whether, whether we like it or not. You know, We get told that it's a day-night game and we've got to play it. Yeah. So we come here and try and do our best like we do with any other test match.
2: That's Jimmy Anderson speaking with myself only a couple of hours ago here in New Zealand. If you thought one fast bowler was enough for today's episode of the following on podcast Any you better think again because also let's now hear from Ollie Robinson good to see him back in England team and good to see him looking fit and bowling well because he's been looking ahead to this test series with Rory Dollard.
4: Uh, we've got a little bit of little bit of rain outside but it looks if you look at the weather forecast like there's a bit more coming what have you guys been keeping keeping up to date with the the news on Cyclone Gabrielle?
5: yeah I've been keeping tabs on it um I've changed the family's flights over actually last night because they're meant to land tomorrow morning um and obviously that's sort of the peak of the storm so we've been keeping tabs on it and hopefully it won't affect us too much
4: and I know in terms of training you guys were hoping to have some pretty, pretty sort of lively sessions beating up to test match and, and making sure that you bowlers were, were up to speed is there any concern that you might have to be going in on Thursday a bit cold because it might be hard to get down to that practice ground
5: yeah we'll have to wait and see and, and play as it, as it comes um, obviously they've got a marquee up at Mount um, which is a great facility so if we can get in there at any point that will obviously help us um, but we're we're well aware that it could be tricky to get out there. Um, and if we, we don't train before Thursday, I feel like we've had a good prep already and we're ready to go anyway.
4: And obviously the guys ended 2022 with a fantastic historic series win in, in Pakistan and we're into a new year and it's a, it's a big year for English cricket. Are you are you sort of looking ahead and thinking this could be a, a real one to, to remember looking back?
5: Yeah, definitely. I think from the last 10 games that we've had under Baz and Stokesy it's been an amazing turnaround for English cricket and I think the excitement that we've all got for the next 12 months is huge. Um, we've got the Ashes, we've got India next winter. It's, it's a massive year coming up, so everyone's really excited about it.
4: And, and do you have any sense that New Zealand are a team you know well, England and New Zealand have played each other a lot recently. Did, do you get the, any impression that they're going to try and meet you toe-to-toe in this new style? Or is it a bit of a culture clash? They're a team who've, I don't know, made their name on, on doing the basics well.
5: Yeah, I think it could be a culture class. I, I think um, they play very attritional cricket sometimes, and that's obviously not the way we're playing at the minute, but it might play into our hands. If they're d- very defensive against us and we've got a lot of overs, a lot of time to buy them out, it could play into our hands. So I think, whatever way they play, they're obviously a good side. We have to respect that, but we know what we've come here to do, um, so we can do that.
4: And it's obviously a, it's a pink ball test, a day nighter. England's record overseas, at least they, they won at Edgebaston, but the record overseas is not, not great, really. Do you have any extra challenges as a baller trying to get the best out of these slightly unusual conditions?
5: Yeah definitely we've been trying a lot the last week or so to, to get the pink ball moving um, it's proved challenging it's not very consistent it's not like the, the, red, the red Bull Dukes or that which swing for a little bit and you can shine them, this has got sort of another layer of lacquer on it and it's really hard to shine and really hard to keep swinging so there's definitely going to be different challenges um, but we've got the attack the attack bowling-wise, and obviously the batters are whacking at the moment, so we've got them as well.
4: And in terms of your role with the, with the pink ball, can you tell us a bit of insight into what you're personally trying to get out of it? Obviously, you got the new ball when Stuart was away, and, and then he opened the bowling in the warm-up match. I don't know if you've sort of earmarked exactly what you think your role is going to be in, in this series.
5: We're sort of playing it horses for courses, really. They've obviously got two lefties up top, and, and Broadie's really good in its left-handers, so... Whichever role the three of us play at any given time, we'll be up to the challenge. It's not something that's set in stone by, by any means. So if if things change, and it's myself and Brodie open the bowling, and Jimmy's first change, like it, it could it could go any way. We just don't know. We're just going to play it as it comes, and we're we're all ready for that.
4: And just to just to finish on looking a little bit ahead, Australia we know are playing at the moment and and losing at the moment as well, which is nice, but. Steve Smith's coming over to Sussex. He's, he's going to come and get a bit of preparation work. Just your, your thoughts on that, coming to your club and, and whether you can learn a bit too that might be of use.
5: Yeah, it's going to be good to see him close up. Um, hopefully I can use that to our advantage, get a bit of knowledge out of him about their team as well and hopefully we can use it. Um, obviously, to have a world-class class player at any county is always good and always good for the English, English cricket. So um, it is what it is and we'll try and use it as best we can.
2: Yeah, top man. That's the England bowler, Rory Robinson, speaking with Rory Dollard. Some interesting stuff there from both Robinson and Jimmy Anderson. Um, joining me now on the following on podcast is the Double Ashes winner, Stevie Harmison, part, of course, of our commentary team for the two-test series starting on Thursday. We're on the move. We've got the the tunes going at the moment. Um, Harmy. firstly, before we talk about the cricket, I think we need a weather update and if we look to our left-hand side, goodness gracious me, can you please uh, paint a picture for our uh, our listeners? It doesn't look too good, does it? No, it doesn't, Samuel. Um,
0: when you look at it, you don't need a weatherman to tell you what's happening out there at this minute in time. Um, and you don't need a, you know, a rocket scientist to tell us that the first day of the game could be in jeopardy because of the amount of rainfall we've had and we're not even close to getting the full Storm Gabrielle yet. I think that's still a couple of hours away. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the course of the next 48 hours. Mm. A lot of England supporters trying to get here. I think there's a lot quite stuck. There's a lot of them stuck in either America or uh, or in Australia at this minute in time. But fingers crossed they do get over safely and we can get mopped up I think Gary Stead said this is one of the best drying grounds did, yeah. in uh, in world cricket um, as a commentator and as much as I want the game to start for all TalkSport listeners it's great if I was a player that's the worst thing in the world to hear as a player the worst thing in the world to hear is it's the best tracking ground in the world I must admit if I was Broad and Anderson who have played for like a million years now they've gone through if you had had this much rain when Jimmy and Brodie first came into the England team you wouldn't have played for a week. Now you're hearing this is the best drying ground in the world. Even if it stops raining on Wednesday afternoon, the likelihood is we'll start on time,
2: and that would that would really get up the nose of a lot of ball, <laughs> lot of cricketers. Talking of Jimmy Anderson, he mentioned you today, Harmie, a couple of times when he was uh, speaking with different different uh, media outlets, and um, he went back to 2008 when that was the, the moment really where sort of he and Broad jimmy's words he and Brody sort of took over the mantle from from you and hoggy and sort of spoke about you sort of being you know the number one bowler in the world for a couple of years and having that you know responsibility and pressure and honor of sort of you know taking over really from you guys just from your point of view we heard from jimmy there just take us back to to what you remember from that tour
0: it was a tough time for for me and matthew both i think physically and mentally i think we were both going through the ringer um I, I remember having my teeth out and I've not got many left, to be honest, teeth-wise, and I got had a few, had a couple of back teeth out just before the first, like the first test, and I felt I felt as though I had to play because I knew that was, you know, there was two young bucks waiting in the wings to come and take over. It was inevitable they were going to come and take over because of their skill sets and the players that were there were. And I think when you look back at it now, as much as it was, it was, it was, a, it was a painful time for, for me and Oggy, It was probably the right time. For Broaden-Anderson and to take over I think they probably had waited the best part of a year they were bowling magnificently in one day cricket England was going alright off the back of you know, a series I think they played India in a series at, at home Broaden-Anderson and both bowled really well in, in one day cricket but me and Hoggy had we had a little bit of currency in the bank off the back of obviously the 2005 Ashes and when they came out here we won at the races in the first test and Michael Vaughan decided that it was the right time for Broaden-Anderson and to take over and they never look back from that moment and
2: was, okay, haven't they not
0: <laughs> they they haven't done too badly to be fair they haven't done too badly to be fair and, and now it's it's brilliant to see because the, the one thing I, I you judge you know these players these great players on and you talk about these great players and you look at when the next ones come and who the next ones come and who they're going to be and when i look at Harmison and hogard it was the right time. It was perfect. We were ready to take over from Goff and Caddick. Goffy was Goffy's body was letting him down. Caddy came back from Australia um, and wasn't flavour of the month. So it was a natural progression into Harmison and Hoggard from Caddick and Gough. Now I look at this, these two and I still look at these two and one's 40, believe it or not. It was unbelievable. One's coming up 37. And I still don't know. I still don't see somebody go and write that at my spot you know, we, me and Oggy kept Broad and Anderson at beer for a, probably the best part of a year. I don't see nobody knocking on Jimmy's door and saying come on Jim 41 year old you've had enough it's time for you to go Jimmy and Brody did that millions of times to me and, and Matthew and mm-hmm. I don't see that that too much Ollie Robinson the new Ollie Robinson yes there's the heir apparent to, to Broad I looked at Matt Fisher when Matt Fisher came about and I thought he's got a chance he's got a skill set Saki Mahmoud, the way he's come, Matt Pot- uh, Matthew Potts, um, but nobody's really. Standing Is that a worry for England? It's a slight concern. It's not a massive concern. It's a, it's a slight concern because of who they're replacing. Mm-hmm. You know, they, no matter who comes in, even as well as you know, Ollie Robinson's done, and I love the new Ollie Robinson. He's, I think he's, I think he's got the. He's now got, I think the, I think the mentality to go with the skill set. To, to work out that he is, he is a fine, fine young cricketer, a fine, fine cricketer, and he's got the skill sets to, you know, to come, t- you know, to take Stuart's place. But he's nowhere near where, 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 where for what Stuart has achieved. So, in, in and Ollie's got yeah, a career to to develop. Jimmy, on the other hand, forget you know, he's, he's our, one of the greatest of all time. It's still, it's still slightly concerning that whenever you look to pick an England Test team your first person you pick yeah. from a bowling point of view is, oh, yeah. is James Anderson and you know, if you're a if you're 40 year old you should be the, You, you, should be, you know, building the team around somebody else and Jimmy helping them Jimmy's leader is still the the main man in this group and that for me is that's the biggest compliment I, I can pick to to Jim because of, of what a fantastic ambassador he's been for our game and to go back to 2008 I think probably me and Hoggy looked at each other and realised that we would never get our places... Not so much we'd never get our places back, but a lot of question marks have been about Broad and Anderson. Are they ever going to be able to play again together? I think me and Hoggy looked at each other probably and thought we'll never ever play each other again because what it'll be one of us with Broad or Anderson. And it wasn't until 2009. Where I, fortunately, 2008 and 2009 I fortunately got a chance to get back into the England side. Hoggy never did. I got back into the England side and when I walked off at the, at the end of the ashes I felt proud of retiring knowing that I played in the same bone attack as Broad and Anderson and obviously Flintoff in Swan um, it was a it was a good way to go out but me and Hoggy probably leaving New Zealand I don't think we and we probably opened the bone 45 times together mm. I think that was realisation is that we would never play again unless one of these got injured and, and actually that that um, that worry
2: was came to fruition because we didn't play again. And one more for you, Harmy. Both Jimmy Anderson and Ollie Robinson have been very, very critical of day-night test cricket. Both making the points, as you heard there, we're traditionists. We don't need the pink ball. We don't want to play at night time. The red ball's been... It's worked for a long period of time and it's done well. There's nothing wrong with starting at 10-11. Who's benefiting from this? As a man that's been involved in the game for a long time, and obviously you didn't play in a, in a day-night Test match, but you've been in working in cricket for a long time. Does Test cricket need this? Do we? Are you excited then, going to work on the first Test match, knowing that we're starting at two and we're leaving at half nine ten? Do, is anyone benefiting from this? Um, yeah, I mean, you can have a few the night before and <laughs> wake up. Not a problem.
0: Not a problem with, a, <laughs> we with a it. You haven't had a pint it, yet. We've been out here, have you? We have a. We have a nice chance of not having a hangover. No, only joking. I agree with them. I agree with them. Yeah. I don't. I, th- I think there's certain places. You, you, you can say, right, we need day-night cricket. There's certain places we don't. We don't need day-night cricket in England. It never gets no, dark. No. We don't need day-night cricket in New Zealand. It showed you the other night that when we re- in the reality, the, the lights were switched on at 20 past 7. Didn't get, you know, it, it, the, the lights took effect for half an hour. Maybe it's in the subcontinent. There's a possibility that you you could look at that I think the biggest thing that these lads have got is the ball to play with. It's like VR in football. It's not VR that's the problem. It's not the lights that's the problem or day and night cricket that's the problem. It's the yeah, you know, it's how it's used and I think one of the things how it's used is the ball. I don't think these lads enjoy playing with the ball. I don't think it's a great ball, the pink cuckoo ball. Um and if they got that better, if they did the research or they played more games to get that better. And fair enough, they might they might be on to something. But in England, in New Zealand, when it doesn't really get dark enough, I really don't understand why we can't play at 11 o'clock, finish at half seven if we have to, because the cricket's gone on till half seven. Um, and if we have to use the lights for half an hour with a red ball at the end of a deer just to keep things going, if there's cloud cover, then so be it. But to, to start at two o'clock in the afternoon, and to only play it in an hour's, you know, half an hour's darkness, then I
2: think it's defeating the object, to be honest. Harmony, thank you for. What was wrong with the music, by the way? Why did that all of a sudden get slammed off mid answer? Was it ruining your rhythm, Harmony? No, it wasn't ru-
0: ruining my rhythm. It was you're just enjoying a, it. It was just another song that from the sort of eighties and nineties, which is an absolute classic. That you do not understand. You've got to understand <laughs> the way you listen to music is it's about words, it's about rhythm, it's not just it's about noise. It's a, not about um, noise. Um, it's um, not um. like winding the window down and sticking your arm out with a <laughs> cap on back to front and bouncing like you have been while you've been sitting in the front of my car for the last week or so. So it's about a nice rhythm. It's about a nice. It's not your car, is it? It's about a nice ballad, and it's. About about music that you can you can sing along to or a beat that you can, like guitar riffs that you can listen to rather than somebody just banging a drum for the like, next four and a half oh, hours. I bet
2: you're falling like that one,
0: you homie. Yeah, yes. You're getting old, aren't you homie? I, home, I, getting I, I am getting old. My kids will be listening <laughs> to this and going, yes, Sam, you know what my dad's like about music.
2: Hi, mate. You're a good man. I'm sure we'll hear from you on tomorrow's podcast. But something you did mention at the top is, unfortunately, due to the really bad weather, um, a lot of England fans struggling to get into New Zealand at the moment. As I'm sure you're aware of, it is raining at the moment. It's very windy. And also, over the next 24 hours, we're expecting even more wind and even more rain. Air New Zealand has cancelled multiple long-haul flights into Auckland, leaving England fans stranded in different parts of the world. A short while ago, I caught up with Alex. He's a massive England fan, part of the Barmy Army. He's stranded in San Francisco. Alex, thank you very much for speaking with Sport. So really, my friend, first question, just... If you can explain the last couple of days, <laughs> what they've been like for you, when you sort of left England, um, how you got to where you are now, what you've been told and what, what hopefully the, the next couple of days looks like for you.
6: Um, yeah, so I left England on Saturday, got my train to Heathrow, about half past four Saturday morning. First flight was to San Francisco, which is where I am now. That was absolutely fine. I got off the plane in San Francisco to tell my flight to Auckland was cancelled. So, obviously, I um, went to the help desk to find out what was going on, really. I was, like, thinking, oh, God, not really been in this situation before. Mm -hmm. been quite lucky over the years not to have had any major delays. They offered me a flight to Auckland six days after my flight was meant to be, um, which would obviously then land me in Auckland on Saturday, which would mean me missing the first day three of the test mark. I mean... Mr. Stokes and Mr. McCullough might have it done by then. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a long way to go, isn't it? For uh, to it's, a long, way, to it's a long way. It's a long way to go. So I declined the offer, and they said, "Well, because it's uh, act of God, weather-wise, we can only sort of offer you that, and you've got to sort yourself out with accommodation while you're in this destination." Which I thought was was pretty poor, to be honest. But that's the rules. That's the rules. I've been looking sort of since last night when I landed what to do. I could have gone to Sydney today, then on to Auckland. But again, I've spoke to people in Sydney today and their flights to Auckland have been cancelled. So I booked two nights in San Francisco. Yeah. One night last night, I'm here tonight again. Uh, it's middle of the afternoon now. Obviously, everyone's getting a bit excited about the Super Bowl. And <laughs> I've rebooked. I've rebooked a flight to Auckland tomorrow night but that is via Honolulu. Yeah, um, it was sort of the best way I could do it. I I wanted to get there to Auckland when the weather had stopped. So it gets to Auckland at 5 o'clock Wednesday evening, Uh, but I have got to spend 12 hours in Honolulu before my connecting flight. So I I had sort of two options. I had three options, to be honest. One option was just to go home, but um, that wasn't an option, really. Um, The other option... No, no, I yeah, wasn't. Good because, good that's the right answer. Um, it's Test cricket. We, we, we love it, and that's what we're that's what we're doing here. That's why I've come. That's why I've come over this way, and that's why I'm going to go to New Zealand to watch England play Test cricket. Um, so I decided to book the flight to Honolulu. Like I say, it leaves Honolulu on Tuesday morning, but doesn't get to New Zealand until tea time Wednesday. And then I have an internal flight from Auckland into Tarunga on Wednesday, where hopefully, all being well, I should be there Wednesday night. Good man. I mean, that is real dedication (laughs) and stuff. So, I mean,
2: in terms of like money, sort of, you know, having to, um, you mentioned accommodation in San Francisco, you mentioned a couple of extra flights. I mean, is this set you back a lot more money?
6: Yeah, I mean, when I when I first got told it was cancelled, I presumed the airline would pick up the tab for stuff like accommodation and even if 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 I want to get any flight sort of with that airline, I thought, "Oh, great, they'll they'll sort of that." But I was told, you know, you're sort of on your own. We'll put you on this flight, but you've got to wait 6 days, which you know, I'm not, I'm not willing to do that, you know. I'm not going to miss a test match for that. I'm you Too know, fast, I, I'm isn't not it, paid to so
2: half a test match, right?
6: I've not I've not paid for that service. I've paid to be there for Monday. I was meant to be landed. I would have been in no. Surunga by now. Um, so yeah, I, in terms of rebooking the flight and the two nights in San Francisco, obviously it's an expensive place to be. You're probably talking a couple of thousand pound in total. Whether my insurance will pick up any of that, I, I, I doubt because again they will say it's weather. It isn't. It isn't the airline cancelling something. They've they've had to cancel because of the weather and and i i'll probably get the same excuse the airline gave for why they won't they wouldn't put me up in a hotel they wouldn't sort of give me leeway in terms of flight it was like either take this flight or you're on your own and i had to make that decision sort of straight away it wasn't it wasn't a case of oh you can think about it for a a few hours it was take this flight or 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 sort yourself out so that's what i did and if you spoke to a Many, if any, other England
2: fans Mm. who are experiencing the same problems, I imagine there must be a lot who are having to do similar things to what you're doing, right? Have you got any other stories of any other people that are currently stranded somewhere, not knowing when they could get into into New Zealand?
6: Yeah, um, I've actually met a few people who uh, are in, obviously with me in San Francisco, in the same position. Uh, They were meant to go today, actually, and their flight got cancelled. I've also spoke to people in Kuala Lumpur, who were obviously on the way to the Test match. They're stranded there. Um, I know there's quite a few in Sydney, actually. And um, I'm I'm pretty sure Finchy is in uh, Colombo, the uh, trumpeter. So um, that could be interesting.
2: Yeah, I spoke with the uh, the head of the Army, Chris Mellard. who said there's a possibility that uh, day one of the first <laughs> Test match, there's no trumpeter. So if any England fans are listening to the podcast right now and you're only getting on the trumpet, <laughs> at Sam Mellard tweet me, I'll put you in contact with Chris Mellard. And you could be doing Jerusalem day one of the Test match you know the dedication that you guys show in in normal circumstances you know the traveling you do the money you spend the time away from home and then you think this you know days in hotel extra flights the dedication to support the single team it really is absolutely special mate
6: yeah it's um it's obviously you know when when you're there watching it's it's a privilege to be honest to to watch this cricket team at the minute that you know the the new approach um i mean We'll get behind him, whatever. We will behind him when Rooty was in charge, when Cookie was in charge. You know, it doesn't matter who's in charge. We'll, we'll be there watching him, sort of thing. But it's 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 such an enjoyable experience. I think that's why it brings people together. There's people coming from all over the UK, Scotland. I know people from Scotland, Wales following the England cricket team. Mister McCoys being one of them, obviously.
1: <laughs> but
6: <laughs> we're, we're all doing it for the same cause. We all, you know, we all want to support the England cricket team and. In all honesty, the main passion for us all is Test match cricket. And and that's why I'm here. You know, if this was a one day series or a T20 World Cup, yeah, I'd be enjoying it. I'd be cheering England on. But I might have gone home by now. I might have thought, well, I've tried my best. It's not worked. Yeah, sure. Let's pack in and go back. And now
2: it's all just simply about fingers crossed that the weather doesn't, you know, get any worse here in New Zealand and that all being well. Everything, everything goes, goes according to plan, right?
6: Yeah um I mean like I said earlier the reason I booked the flight tomorrow is just because of that that sort of risk still thinking oh if I, I could I could have flown tonight and gone via sydney or somewhere but the forecast tomorrow tuesday doesn't look great um it looks to be easing sort of as the night goes on tuesday so I've I'm literally got I literally thought I'll, I'll book the later flight I'll get there wednesday and the, yeah fingers are crossed that everything will be okay by wednesday And me, you and thousands of others will be stood singing Jerusalem at 2pm in Tarunga at the Mount. That's Alex there, the England fan, absolute
2: commitment. He's been in America for a couple of days, but he's going to do absolutely everything in his power to make sure he's there for hopefully day one of that first Test match. I mean, England fans, if you are listening to the Falling On podcast right now and you are uh, stranded somewhere, I know quite a few of you are in Australia, let us know, tweet us at cricket underscore TS. We'd love to hear from you, what you're up to and how you're getting on, but we do hope that all England fans and any fan really are able to get into New Zealand over over the coming days and are there for the first test match. Good man, Alex. Good luck, Alex. Good luck to everyone and stay safe. Well, thank you for listening to the following on podcast. And of course, a reminder if you didn't know already, New Zealand versus England, every single ball of the series is going to be live on Talksport Sport 2. I can't believe it, it gets going Thursday.